The following resource is from lmpc.org and we're delighted to provide it freely to all. If you feel led to give towards the ministry of Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church, we welcome you to do so at lmpc.org give. A reading from Selected Verses in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. God said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may go well with you in the land that your Lord your God is giving you. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning to all of you. I have my welcome to Frank's. I'm Brian Salter, one of the pastors here, and I look forward to meeting you if I have not already done so. We're in the middle of a sermon series on Deuteronomy, and we've come to a slowdown as the Ten Commandments are given in Deuteronomy 5 to take them one at a time. Uh, This command this morning is of significant importance given where we are in the lives, in our lives in this world. This is not less than about the family, but it is more than. As you see in the title, honor God-given authority. It's the call for us to honor all that God puts in authority, but it's also a call to honor when God gives you authority, to honor how you use it. And we live in a current moment that you could describe as anti-authoritarian. Uh, there's not a lot of cultures that have been ruled by the adolescent culture. Ours is. Those who are older are no longer considered as worthy of attention or listening to in our current moment. So that's one side of it. But on the other side of it, we're reading more and more and more accounts and seeing more and more and more examples of how people with authority don't use it in the way God has said to do, to do. So we have this anti-authoritarianism, we have this dark use of authority all at once. We really need to consider God's design when it comes to authority. So let's pray and ask him to teach us. Our Father, we do come to you as our authority. Your word is our only rule for faith and practice. You are our king. You are our father. So let us come to you this morning by your spirit as your children to learn, to repent, to pray and seek better ways by your spirit, to see your son Jesus, the perfect one, 
under and with authority for us. Come now and show us our Savior in the preaching of your word. In Christ's name, amen. This is the second time I've had the privilege of preaching on this command. The first was in 2006 in the fall. I was a new young pastor that showed up. I wasn't even a pastor yet, wasn't ordained. But I was preaching that time and I preached on this command. And I'm going to begin in the exact same way. One of Grimm's fairy tales. Just want you to listen. Kids, listen. All of us listen. Once upon a time, there was a little old man. His eyes blinked and his hands trembled. When he ate, he clattered the silverware, missed his mouth with the spoon. He dribbled food on the tablecloths. And now he lived with his married son, having nowhere else to live. And his son's wife was convinced that in-laws should be in their own house. This interferes with my life, my order, my happiness, she thought. So they, they took the little old man gently but firmly by the arm and led him to the kitchen corner. And there he sat on a stool and received his food. And from that point on, he always ate in the corner. And one day his hands trembled more than normal and the earthenware bowl fell and broke. And the daughter-in-law said, if you are a pig, then you must now eat out of a trough. So they made him a little wooden trough and he received his meals in that. The couple had a four-year-old son of whom they were very fond. One night at supper, the dad noticed his boy playing with bits of wood and asked what he was doing. And he said, I'm making a trough to feed you and mom out of when I get big. The man and his wife didn't say a word. They cried a little and they went to the corner and they took the old man by his arm led him back to the table. He received a, a comfortable chair, food on a plate. And from that point on, nobody scolded him when he clattered the silverware and broke bowls and spilled food. I realize I read that tale now with my mother in heaven. The tale raises a question. What would a child's response be upon seeing your relationship with your parents? Or even broader, any God-given authority? Would that child or that young one who was watching you begin whittling pig troughs watching your attitude towards all the God-given authorities in your life. This morning, as we look at the fifth commandment, we will discover what it means to provide a seat of honor for those in, with God-given authority, why we tend to whittle pig troughs, and we're gonna find comfort in an older brother and a perfect son and a loving father. So first, God's command. 
Respectfully recognize those with authority. The scope of this command is something we must consider first, then the meaning and the motivation in this first point. You heard the command, honor the Lord, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. The scope of this command is both narrow and broad, even as we read in the confession of faith responsively. Those above us, those below us, those equal to us, it begins to broaden the scope to all authority. But let's first think about the narrow scope of this command. The command narrowly focuses on the family because the beginning of all human society is found in the family. We have now moved to the second table of the law as we understand it. And the number one command on the second table of the law has to do with the family. Our God is a God who is concerned with the cultivation of love according to his law. And thus the fifth and the seventh commandment take us to the heart of all human relationships. And that is the family. So indeed, as God gives this law, he is showing us that a society or a people that destroy the family, destroy themselves. Concerning the fifth commandment, the parental relationship is the first of all relationships. It is there that we learn positively and negatively what it means to have someone in authority over us. God's design, obviously, is that we learn about respect and obedience and love and protection and nurturing. Human rebellion means that for many of us, that has not been the experience. Honoring God's design for the family and the parental relationship, though, according to this command, must be of highest priority for this beautiful, flourishing community that God is forming in Israel and that Christ is forming in the church. And so there is a narrow scope to this command of the family, but there's a broader scope of all authority relationships. As I've noted, the fifth commandment is grounded in the family, but yet it is not limited to that sphere or that realm alone. The command relates to authority in every arena of life. And so I'd like for you to broaden your scope. Consider all the realms of authority where this command must be applied by God's people. In 1 Peter 5, Hebrews 13 You see the authority relationship to the elders of the church. In Romans 13, you see the authority relationship of the governing authorities who Paul calls appointed ministers of God. Then you hear Colossians, Ephesians, and Peter talk about authority relationships in the marketplace, in work as they would speak in that time of masters, bondservants, slaves. So you have all these realms of authority, family, government, uh, church, work. And the scope of this command not only applies further to those under authority, but it also applies to those that have authority, those with authority. So now, not only understanding the scope in which we live under authority, family, church, government, work, we have to now think, how has God given me authority? How am I using that authority? 
The meaning and application of this command, you may be a parent. You may be a grandparent. You may be a small group leader for our youth. You may be a mentor in the city. You may have authority in your workplace as people report to you. Consider those relationships as we consider the meaning of this command. In considering this, the meaning and application of the command, we have to consider both how we possess God-given authority and what we're doing with it, and where we are under God-given authority and how we're living. So what does it mean when God says honor? Honor your father and mother. Does it mean that you have to do what they say no matter what? I got kids listening now, right? I see you guys. Is there ever a time when children outgrow this commandment, you may ask? What do I do with this commandment if my parents have passed away? What if my home was a place of severe emotional damage and wounds? How do I relate to this commandment? I just want to tell you, there's no way I can exhaustively answer all these things this morning. I've piqued your interest, but there's no way I can handle the answers to all those things. And as always, we are eager for conversation outside of this. But I can give us, I think, some parameters for thinking about authority in our lives. You see, the word here for honor is the Hebrew word kavod. It's actually the same word used for glory. And it doesn't mean we're to worship our parents or those in authority, but here is what it means. It means you are to give them the weight that they deserve according to the weight God has given them. That, that word glory means weighty or heavy. And those with authority have been given weight by God over those whom they serve. Philip Ryken makes our duty crystal clear as he notes, honoring one's parents means giving the weight due to their position. Dishonoring parents at any stage is treating them lightly. It means a certain respect for all authority to honor authority with the proper weight in light of the recognition that God has placed them there. God has given them the authority. And if you want to know what it means to honor, it's the exact opposite of to curse. To go with cursing would be to mock, to scorn, to attack without respect. John Frame says, when we respect someone, we hear them with respect. Listen to this. Not assuming from the outset that we know more than they. Oh, that we would be the people that would approach all authority relationships like that to respect even as an adult child of, a, of an older parent is to say, I come to you with the assumption that I do not know more than you and I am willing to hear you. Oh, that we would engage all authority with that sense of, hey, I realize there's a lot I probably don't know because I have not been given the authority God's given you, but I have questions and I wanna hear you. That's the honorable posture, both with parents, at work, in our world of governance, and in the church. 
That posture has been lost in the home, in the society, with government, and in the church. A a humility, a humble respect that would bring curiosity first over criticism of authority. Honor. Now, to honor your parents is a huge deal. Clearly God-appointed. Augustine says something very searching when he says, if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? It's a good question. Concerning the limits to this command, are there limits? Absolutely. In obedience, for sure. Peter establishes it in Acts 5 when he says, we must obey God rather than man. There is absolutely a limit. When any authority figure asks or commands those under their charge to do something illegal or immoral, we are to honor our heavenly father rather than our earthly authority. But we should stand against that earthly authority respectfully with honor though not submission. Do you see the the high calling? Do you see how this would affect all the realms and the spheres of our lives where we have authority, where we're under authority? God designed this for us to flourish. Now the motivation for the command, Paul says it's the first command with a promise. Indeed it is, he says, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded me, commanded you that your days may be long that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Now, is that a one-to-one correlation between honor and long life? When I was little, I used to think every time I disobeyed my parents, I just lost like a year. But then you read of a guy in the Bible named Abijah, the sixth son of Jeroboam, who died young, even though he was the only one in Jeroboam's family in whom any good was found. And you realize, oh, that that can't be a one-to-one correlation. What does this mean? It very simply means this. Your life will go much better if you live under authority according to God's commands. Not perfect, maybe not even long, but for the believer, the promise stands eternal life. Living under with authority is how God designed humans. Now, understanding the the command, now let's look at our crisis. And our crisis is this. Understand as we see these commands, we want to see the high calling of God, that, that respect, that not treating them lightly, that honoring. And having seen the high calling of the law, now what, what are we going to see? The depth of our sin. Not just to make us merely feel guilty, but to drive us to the Savior, Jesus. So let's see our sin. And here's our crisis Here's the main thing. We are rebellious children when under authority and when given authority, period. Why do we tend to whittle pig troughs for those in authority over us? Why do we so easily dishonor authority? And fundamentally, I want to deliver this truth to me and to you, and it is this. We must come to grips with the reality of our crisis. And it is this. We are rebellious children, every single one of us. Do you know that you never sin without breaking the fifth commandment? 
every time we sin, we're dishonoring our Father. Every time we sin, it is a matter of refusal to live under the authority of our good Father. You begin to see that, you begin to realize, the problem with my keeping the command is not my children, it's not my parents, it's not my boss even. Ultimately, it's I'm a rebellious child of the heart. And how do I deal with that first? Not that there aren't other things to deal with. Malachi 1.6 says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If I'm a father, where is the honor due me, says the Lord Almighty. Until we recognize our struggle as rebellious children, until we heartily repent and regularly experience brokenness of our own state as rebellious children, we will never flourish under the God-given authority structures he has given to us. But let's look more specifically at the struggle of rebellious children both when given and under authority. First, when given authority, we act like rebellious children. If you're a parent, a boss, a teacher, a manager, a government leader, an elder, a coach, a mentor, a Sunday school teacher, you've been given a measure of authority by God. And part of that authority, as the Westminster Confession describes it, is to love, bless, pray for, instruct, counsel, admonish, and protect those God has given to you. Those with positions of authority are to reward and commend under their care. When people do right, and to address when people do wrong. That may seem really simple, but if God's given you any authority, you now have the obligation to know what is right in God's eyes and what is wrong in God's eyes so that you can cheer the right and confront the wrong. That's at the heart of being given authority. And so, where do you have authority? Consider the scopes, the, fear, the spheres, the realms where you have some measure of authority. Are you promoting what's right and willing to address what's wrong? Sadly, as rebellious children, all of us have this perpetual nagging tendency and temptation to abuse the authority God has given us. The Westminster Larger Catechism gives great insight into the depths of sin when it says that we fail to honor our Father as those given authority when we do this. Listen, anywhere where you have authority, you fail when you do this. I fail when I do this. When we inordinately seek ourselves, our own glory, ease, profit, or pleasure. Ouch. Whatever authority realm you're in, you break this commandment. I break this commandment. When I inordinately seek myself, my glory, my ease, my profit, my pleasure. This is when those in authority show an incessant pattern of demand, a pattern of demand. 
minimization, manipulation, humiliation, blame shifting, coercion, denial, threats, treating people like servants and slaves. And we hear over and over, Jesus rebuke people who handle authority like that. In Philippians, he does it. In Ezekiel 34, God fiercely rebukes leaders who are self-consumed and others negligent. The rule of leadership in the kingdom of God is this. Listen, please, all of us, no matter what authority you have, here's the rule. Those with greater authority should serve. Should serve those with less. The superior must not care most for himself, but for those under him. What would your children say? Your grandchildren, your employees, students, subordinates. Would you say of your elders, your pastors, we're more concerned for you than for ourselves? That's the call of this command for those who have authority. When under authority, though, we also act like rebellious children. All of us, when under authority in any way, whether an employee, a citizen of the world, a country, a church member, you have responsibilities to honor your Father in heaven. Here's how the catechism notes our rebellion under authority. It's when we envy and rebel against their persons and places, counsels, commands, and corrections, cursing and mocking those God has placed over us. Do you constantly, I would ask us, do you constantly find yourself criticizing those in authority over you in every realm? We need to see that as a nature of being a rebellious child before our father. Children in the home, please listen. Are you listening faithfully to your parents? Are you honoring their counsel, their commands? Is there, is there prompt, sincere obedience? Your failures to do that with your parents show you how deeply you need Jesus. Grown children, are you detached from your parents' voice, your parents' needs? Are you mocking and cursing their neediness and flaws? We must all see that our failure under authority and when given authority is rebellion. We all act as selfish children, no matter where we are in relationship to authority. But what's the good news? We've looked at what it means to honor authority, reverence, submission, gratitude. We've seen how overtly and terribly we act like rebellious children, both with authority and under authority. And now even consider some of the frightening curses in the Old Testament reserved for children who rebel. Leviticus 29, anyone who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. So as Kevin DeYoung then says, Now consider the wonder of the story of the prodigal son. That God would be gracious to rebellious children. How? Through an older perfect brother. Now let me just say, if I'm bringing good news to you and you're a rebellious child and I say, I got good news for you. You have an older perfect brother. That would send you to counseling. 
that would make most of us just jealous and go spiral further into the deep end. But I wanna tell you, that's the good news of the gospel. We rebellious children have an older, perfect brother. Hebrews chapter two says, in bringing many sons and children to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists shall make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering, both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy, listen, are of the same family. Our perfect brother has brought us into his family as sons and daughters. And listen to this. He's given us rebels his perfect record. He not only paid for our sins by death on the cross, he gladly shared his record and his inheritance. Now that is grace for sinners and rebellious children. See his perfect obedience to his parents on the earth. See him hanging on the cross, honoring his mother, instructing John, here is your mother. He asked John to be like a son to her, upholding her in her grief. In the garden, he surrendered to his father, saying, not my will, but yours be done. And that perfect record of righteousness now becomes ours as he takes our record of rebellion upon him on the tree. We should celebrate that as rebel children, we have a perfect older brother who shares with us his inheritance, and he shows us how to handle authority. In John 13, he takes the posture of a slave and washes the disciples' feet. In John 17, he labors in prayer for those over which he has authority. In John 19, he hangs on a cross and gives everything he has for them. We are not merely listen. We are not merely forgiven failures for how we violate the fifth commandment. We are covered with the perfect obedience and righteousness of our older brother, Jesus. We have power now in him by his spirit to obey how we relate to authority, how we live under authority. So I ask you three questions. Would you like forgiveness? Would you like deep soul comfort for all the ways you violate the fifth commandment? Would you come to your older brother by faith and receive him? Do you need power to honor those over you? Oh, do we ever. Do you need power to honor the authority God's given you? Oh, do we ever. Jesus says, all those who he brings into the family, he will give his spirit. And that spirit will empower us more and more to live unto God and to keep this command. And finally, I'd like to consider, have us all consider our heavenly father. The ultimate application of this commandment is to honor our heavenly father. And I have really good news. I don't know what your fathers were like. But this father, there's nobody like him. He's trustworthy. He's perfect in love and faithfulness. He's gracious. He's kind. There's no malice to him. There's no 
there's no failure to protect or to provide for us. No, this Father is one that you can say, I'll honor you. You're worthy. I saw a video this week. I don't watch a lot of rodeo, but I saw a video of a rodeo. A young man on a bull, bucked off by the bull. He hit the ground and was immediately knocked out. The clowns could not get the bull to calm down and the cowboy on the ground was now threatened with his very life. And out of the stands came his father. And his father jumped on top of him. And the bull got the father. They both lived, but it was a picture of that son would rise and say, I'll honor you, father. That sort of sacrifice, that sort of love, that sort of grace. This command is not burdensome. Our father is way better, better than that father in that arena. He sent his only son, our older brother, to bring us into this family by adoption, that we might be forgiven for all of our rebelliousness as children, and we might be free to live under his authority and all the authority he appoints and live with authority in the manner that pleases him. May God make it so among us. Let's pray. Our Father, we see the depth of our failure by your Spirit. You, you convict us. When I, when I consider how I handle authority, when we consider that together, when we consider how we live under it, we see the depth of our need, our sin, our violation of this commandment that would only render us cursed unto death. And yet we see Jesus, our older brother, perfect, gracious, generous in his, with his inheritance. And you see us rebels as you see your beloved son, Jesus, because we're in him. Free us with this good news to live humbly, faithfully, compassionately, both with and under authority for the glory of your name. We ask this in your name. Amen.